0: You know, just like physical illness, mental illness can be overcome. We just got to inspire people to believe that.
1: The mental health community and the firearms industry spend way too much time running parallel to each other without communicating. It's time we change the narrative and destroy the stigma that we both face.
0: Walk the Talk America presents Guns and Mental Health, a podcast for firearms owners, clinicians, and the curious public. What's up Michael? How are you?
1: I'm doing good, man. Another another day in paradise down in Vegas.
0: It sure is. And uh, we've got uh, an awesome guest for this yet again today, Mark Gorodetzer. I put the emphasis on the right syllables there.
2: You you were good there, man. You were good.
1: <laughs> Mark Gorodetzer from the Twenty Two Warriors Foundation.
2: I'm happy to be here, appreciate it.
0: Yeah, glad to glad to have you, and thanks for making time. We really appreciate it. Um, we should probably start off with an introduction, uh, other than just your
1: name and your organization. So, well, you can. Well, do that, Jake, Jake, we should probably start off with who who's responsible for having him here. Is the Armed Corps? But to, to thank our sponsor for for, for yeah. having Mark here today. For forgive
0: forgive us, uh, we're we're new at this. Uh, <laughs>
2: These live actually, we're live plugs.
0: We're not actually we're not actually new at podcasting. We're just new at having sponsors.
2: Uh, <laughs> I thought you were new at having live people.
0: Yeah, well, no, no. Most of our people are alive when we interview them. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, ArmsCore uh, is a very strong backer, and um, we're, we're glad to have them. And we would also, in all seriousness, we would invite more sponsorships, especially from the industry, from manufacturers, but also from uh, health and wellness centers of all kinds, not just mental health. Uh, if you want to sponsor the show, reach out to us. Um, you can shoot an email to – what's our new email,
1: Michael? Our new email is info at WTTA.org.
0: Or you can even reach us at info at zephyrwellness.org. Um, yeah, that's the other another sponsor ones. of the show. That's, that's the company that I co-own with my co-owner, Lindsay Bell, here in Reno, Nevada, northern Nevada, broadly, I guess you could say. And um, we're happy to support the mission. So let's get back to Mark because he's, he's the center of this show. Um, Mark, tell us about what it is you do and what is the number 22 and why is it so significant?
2: Well, um, I'm with Warrior Suicide Prevention Foundation, and uh, I've been with them now for a little over three years. Um, currently, the chief of education and partnership development. Um, when Bill Emil, uh, the CEO and founder uh, of the organization, was originally 22 Warriors Foundation, um, and the number 22, you know, happens to deal with the number of veterans that suicide every day. Um, we know, you know, as of today, that number. Uh, is a little bit skewed. There's a lot of different, um, you know, ways as to how this number was determined. Uh, We know that it only went up to certain um, wars. It did not cover the entire country, including California. And, you know, so what's the real number? There are a lot of different ones, but 22 is a number that has been there. Um, But I think the bottom line is that whether it's 22 or one, you know, that that's certainly, uh, you know, one too many Veterans that are suiciding every day, um, and uh, over time, um, 22 Warriors uh, build a, you know took a look and wanted to make Warrior Suicide Prevention Foundation uh, try to take it national, um, which is now what the uh, uh, the primary name and 22 Warriors really is specific to Southern Nevada. Um, a lot of the people who were part of the organization at the very beginning, um, you know, wanted. To keep that name, it certainly means a lot here in Southern Nevada, and, you know, it still certainly holds, uh, you know, a, a lot of a lot of meaning. There's a lot of feelings behind it here, uh, you know, here here in Southern Nevada and here in Clark County to us. Do, do you find you get corrected on that a lot? Um, it's not so much corrected as to... Challenged. It, it, well, it, you know, it challenged or, you know, again, I think the thing is, you know, is what's the number? Um, we know in, you know, today's environment, anybody can go on the internet and take a look and find, um, (coughs) you know, someone will find, you know, it's less than 22. Someone will say it's 51. Um, again, I, you know, just going back to what I said before, to me, whether it's 22, 32 or one, it's still one too many. But Mm -hmm. I think the bottom line is, is that, um, we know it goes on, uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, and until someone figures out a way to, to make it stop, um, it's it's always going to be there. But I think like the 22 really is an identifier. Um, when you're talking about veteran suicide, I think an awful lot of people have heard the number 22. Um, they've seen the number 22, and I just, you know, like I said, I think it's something that they recognize.
0: You packed a lot in there, and I want to unpack some of it. Uh, initially, I think I heard you say that... Um, the the number is inaccurate because they weren't counting uh, thoroughly. I guess is the best way I can summarize that. How are we so? F- I mean, especially this day and age of, of data gathering and collection, how are we so far off? And how does California get missed? That seems um,
2: again. I don't know these. You know, these are numbers I know for me that came out long before I got involved with this. Um, and I know a lot of different people that I've spoken with. I've been able to find a lot of different reports. Um, whether, uh, you know, uh, who is the, the decision maker, you know, as to, you know, what is the, the starting point, the cutoff point, um, uh, you know, why was some states left out? Uh, unfortunately, I mean, I, you know, I don't know that. Um, uh, but again, like I know if, you know, you did go searching, there's an awful lot of different things that, that are out there, um. You know again, what was the 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 driving force behind it? I don't know the the validity of it same thing i you know I don't know. Um, but I think in in today's day and age, uh certainly people who have who have definitely um, gotten more involved, I'd say probably over the last 10, fifteen years, um, whatever was done in the past, I think everyone's pretty much now looking at what's going on today. Uh, Because especially, too, if you look back, you know, even just, you know, the last 10, 15 years, um, you know, Desert Storm, the Gulf War, what goes on in Afghanistan, Iraq, everything else. There's a whole new generation, unfortunately, um, you know, that is now, uh, you know, falling into the mix. And, uh, uh, you know, we know how times change. Um, We certainly know the the impact. And again, too, the way, whether it was, you know, how how a war was fought, the type of weapons that are being used, uh, the impact. But I think the other thing, too, though, which, which I know both of you can relate to, is there's now an understanding, I think, a little bit more on there's now a mental health aspect that certainly people have been looking at with veterans, um, which I'm sure, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago was was mental health even, you know, how often was that even in, in conversation? Um, so, you know, to me, it it almost seems to kind of, you know, shift things a little bit. Um uh, you know, is maybe kind of take a little bit more, the, the more focus on, okay, what is going on now? We already know what's going on in the past. Um, uh, you know, how can we, you know, improve on what we're doing on the mental aspect side of things for the veterans? Um, you know, and, and you know, definitely try to take a look at it that way as opposed to, okay, where did it come from? You know, how is it meant to be? Um uh, today we've we've got a whole new it, it, it it's a whole new war that's out there i guess
0: yeah and uh, the other thing I wanted to because there's more in there that you just packed into we'll get to all this thankfully <laughs> we, we got podcasts for a reason and it's because people are starting to enjoy the long form <clears throat> depth dives into nuanced discussion but um something I think I heard you say earlier is that there were, I wasn't sure which came first the national organization or was was this organization the the, the creator, the the originator, and then it grew nationally. How do, what's, what's the order there of 22?
2: Again, I, you know, it, it's, it's not something that is really in my wheelhouse. Um, I think it got to the point after a little while is I had enough information, at least for, I knew when I got involved with, with veterans, I needed a major education. Um, I'm not a veteran. Um, I don't know military. So there were a lot of things that I needed to learn. And I didn't want to start looking at 10, 15, 20 different things because I'm just going to get completely lost in it. So I tried to go with things that were related um, from the VA or the Pentagon um, from different military branches and kind of of formulate some of my own thoughts, but without trying to, you know, make it incredibly technical. Okay, you know, why did you do this instead of doing that? I think it was just a little bit more of, okay, this is what – this particular group did. This is what this particular group did. But again, for me, trying to keep it all open-minded was the the end result was is that they knew something was going on. Um, they knew that that veterans were dying. Um, there was something happening. And again, like we said, you know, if you even just you know go back to uh, you know if you want to go back to Vietnam, did anybody ever mention anything about mental health? No. We were talking Agent Orange, um, so that's why I said you know. I mean, I just really trying to you know kind of kind of grasp a little bit more of okay, here's where you looked. This is why you looked, but uh, again, you know, I was not looking for that definitive answer.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, what what motivated you to get involved? Then you're you're non-veteran. Um, I know you've you've acknowledged your own struggle with suicidal ideation. Was that it, or was it something else? Your family members or what?
2: Um, it 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 was um, when I was going through my time um, in uh, August of 2016. It was a couple of months after my uh, my daughter and son-in-law got married here in Vegas. Um, I had been out of work, and I was always an active person, very competitive. Um, I mean, I hated losing more than I liked winning. <laughs> um, I played sports, I coached. I mean, all sorts of different things, and. For the first time in my life i really didn't know what i wanted to do um but for me personally one of the biggest mistakes i made was um going to a doctor that i said all my life i would never go to and um i'd gone to a pain management doctor uh in march i mean i've had issues with my back for a long time i just wanted to make sure i could get through my daughter's wedding and you know i i took meds as i needed them um but Come August, um, at that time, I had issues going on that I had absolutely no understanding about. Um, I'm a cardiac patient, I have high blood pressure, I have high cholesterol, and as time went on, I started messing around with prescription drugs, um, painkillers, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, on top of all of my own medication. Um, I made more trips to the hospital. I can't remember. You know that things are are, um, are not good when paramedics show up to your house and they know your name and they know what sports you like and all sorts of other things, or you get to the hospital. And uh, same thing. They don't even have to – they already know how to pronounce my name. They didn't even have to ask me. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, and, and I made, uh, you know, like I said, far too many trips, whether it was by an ambulance, my wife taking me. Um and through that entire time because I was a cardiac patient nobody ever no one ever asked me the question that I think in the back of my mind I was waiting for someone to ask um I would sleep 12 to 16 hours a day um if I woke up I woke up if I didn't I didn't um I I sort of gave up and then it wasn't until uh, January 14th 2017 I went in to see my spine surgeon um, I saw his partner in the hospital, but he was the first person, I saw him face to face and he was the first person to finally ask me, um, do you want to hurt yourself? Do you want to kill yourself? And I looked at him and I smiled. Um, he was the first person, but then my first question to him was, is okay, why, why did you ask me and no one else had? Um, and I came to learn that and he's one of the leading experts in cognitive behavior. Um, he knew what he was looking at. He read my history. Um, and then from there, you know, really, I just started, you know, I, I had a decision to make. Um, you know, unfortunately, I made the right one. And, um, you know, I started going to therapy. Um, I, I found a psychiatrist who I I, I truly love, kid. Uh, you know, I uh, <coughs> love being with her. Um I'm on meds, you know, on meds, you know, trying to get back to things. The the one weird thing was um is and again, you know, now that I'm I have been since that time learning more and more about mental health um and how you start to go back and think about some things. Um anyone who knows me now, I love to cook. Um during that time period, I never cooked. I never turned on the grill, I never turned on the smoker. Um, uh, you know, taking a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese out of the cabinet, I do not consider that cooking. Um, I never cooked and I didn't even realize that until I started having conversations. So I knew I wanted to get involved with suicide prevention. And one of the things that I did not want to do was get involved with anything on a national level. I, I didn't want to get lost in the shuffle, but at the same time, I wanted to to be a part of something that where I could learn, Um, and it just so happened, um, uh, I was at a seminar somewhere, and the 22 Warriors Foundation office was there. I asked a friend of mine about it. Uh, Bill and I connected, and um, I said, you know, hey, can we meet? And I figured it'd be like 15, 20 minutes. The next thing I knew, it was four and a half hours later, and he and I were still talking. Um, And that was back in uh, October of um, 2017, and uh we've well, we, we, we've we, been stuck with each other since, but um it it's been great. And I think certainly one of one of the things that I learned very quickly, um, and again, I've never been ashamed or embarrassed about what I went through. It happened. Um, I'm dealing with it. My family is supportive of it, my friends are supportive of it, but there's still plenty of people who just aren't sure. It's like, okay, um, What do I say to him? How do I talk to him? It's like nothing has changed. Um, But being with veterans, they know where I've been, whether they themselves were there or they know friends of theirs who were there. Um, And, you know, they made me uh, feel welcomed, feel comfortable. But the other thing, too, though, is it gave me, though, other people to talk to. Um, And just really from there, which – which surprised me, you know, and I'm sure, you know, certainly you guys know this, um, you you don't always just like, you know, walk up to somebody, you know, and fight, you know, just, you know, say, hey, have you ever had, you know, suicidal ideation before? It's not exactly a, a you know, icebreaker. Um, mm-hmm. But I know in the time, though, that I've been involved with the veterans, I have met more and more people who have either gone through the same thing that I did or they knew family members. And it was the same thing where you know we talk about uh, you know a lot of a lot of different things. You know we try to tell people you know hey, um, you know what, you're you're not alone. There, you know there's a you know I'm a phone call away. Um, I you know it, it's you know you're not going to go through this by yourself. And just over time, I just started meeting more and more people who you know really pretty much went through a lot of the the stuff that I did. Um, and certainly over time. Um, you know, I, I and I think the other thing too that I wanted to do was that and again you asked about the number twenty two. Um how many times do we see that when unfortunately when a veteran suicides it's in the news. Um when a seventeen year old suicides, unless it's someplace public, you don't hear about it. Um and, and I guess you know what what I really wanted to try to do was that suicide doesn't Play favorites. It doesn't pick and choose. It doesn't make a difference if you you served in battle or if uh, you know you you lost your job and um, you know you're you're in a place now that is just so completely foreign on that that you don't know what to do about it.
1: Yeah, I have a good question for you. Uh, thank you for sharing your story, by the way, and yeah. being out there because I think that helps people. Well, where did you learn your vulnerability? Where does that come from? Um where did it come from or how did I get there?
2: <laughs> um
1: uh, I don't know, you tell me. I mean, a lot of people can't do what you just did over a podcast or tell that story. And those are the stories that need to be told, right? Cuz people need to be able to relate like you were just saying. Yeah. So um I get, I, it's...
2: I mean, I think, I think for me, I mean, I've I've always been a um I've never been afraid to say what's on my mind. Um, uh, I'm not afraid to share things. And I think for me, for so many years, when, um, I used to be in the sports and recreation business and, um, I coached a lot of kids in a variety of sports and in basketball. Um, and you know, we would travel, um, to me, those are like, you know, extended family members. You know, I always wanted to make sure that, you know what, those kids are safe. Uh, the same thing, you know, for me and I, you know, you guys know is that, um, you know, you're a parent i think from when you're single definitely a whole lot of instincts become a lot different um and you know i i know for me is um i have two older daughters um and you know one's in chicago and one is in michigan um my our youngest daughter um went through uh some health issues and uh, you know, she showed what, what kind of a, a fighter that, that she is. Um, she has something that's called Sjogren Syndrome, which affects her immune system. And uh, a couple of years ago, she just basically said, okay, I don't care. I'm going to do. And um, uh, three years ago, she ran her first Chicago Marathon and finished it. And then she ran a second one. Um, and this was, you know, at a point, you know, for, for a kid who – you know, pretty much was told is you know, hey, you you can't do this and you can't do that. Um, uh, our older daughter, uh, who uh, you know now is a a mom of identical twins of um, uh, about 15 months old, um, and uh, uh, another daughter now just turned 15. Um, you know, we've certainly seen, you know, me and my wife, you know, an awful lot of changes with her. You know, again, you remember, you know, your little girl and you're wondering, okay, she got to, you know, make it from here across the street to school. You know, and now here I look at her that, you know, during what's going on now is she's home with three kids, including, you know, two infants. And, you know, she's trugging along. So I certainly think, you know, part of that for me where the resilience was is that. I I know what I put the three of them through, um, and I knew that I really had a decision to make. Is that okay? I obviously step one was I admitted that something was going on. Um, step two was is that, obviously, do I want to take responsibility and what am I going to do to get back in a better place? Um, and uh, that day at the doctor's, uh, I promised my wife I would. And again, like I said. Pain management doctors, nope. Psychiatrists, absolutely not. However, um, and, and I joke with my psychiatrist, my primary doctor, my cardiologist, I told him, I said, all three of them have to outlive me. Um, I, I, I said, that it, it's the only way life is going to work right now. Um, and like I said, it's, you know, accepted that responsibility because um, there, are, there are still too many amazing things um, that, that I know looking at as, as a parent, um again our granddaughters, you know, are uh are out in Michigan. Um, you know, we all joke about, you know, really at this point, you know, how much are we going crazy about it's like how many more Zoom calls and WebEx and all these other kind of things? But I look at it as that, okay, I didn't get a chance to get on on Facebook and you know, talk with my kids or do something. Um so, you know, to 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 know now Um, you know, again, with my daughter having the babies and one of the the granddaughters is named after my dad. Um, If, you know, if if I ever, you know, took a misstep during that time in 2016, I never would have, you know, I never would have known about these kids. So, um, you know, I I just knew that there were still too many things that I wanted to see, I wanted to live. Um, And what I think the other part of it, though, is that, I know I'm not the only one, and if there's a way that I can make a difference, um, I want people to because I think the other thing too is that for someone to stand up and talk about suicidal ideation and all well these other kind of things, um, I respect the science, but I think I would have it would mean a, it would have a lot more impact on me if I know this person was a survivor. Or did they know somebody who went through it was a survivor or, you know, did they know someone who unfortunately, you know, did suicide? And, you know, from that, they'll realize, hey, these are the things that I missed. Um, you know, I want to make sure that the next family member or the, the, the next, uh, you know, whomever it may be, does not miss those signs,
0: yeah, you know, what you're doing there and what you're describing is uh, normalizing the conversation, and and we don't want to normalize suicide per se because then we then we tend to grow weary of the conversation and it becomes like this accepted part of life, and that's not okay. We don't want to normalize suicide, but we do want to normalize the ideation because. I have often said, and I was taught this, and it was a revolutionary idea when it was taught to me, but that every human being walking the planet has had some sort of suicidal ideation. And if you deny that, you, you even haven't, ha- haven't walked very long, uh, you're very, very young, or you're, you're lying to yourself. And what I mean by that is you don't necessarily have to have a plan and access to the plan and means to carry it out and all that stuff. What I mean is if you've considered what life would be like without you, regardless of the reason, that's, that's really suicidal ideation. And, and it spooks a lot of people in, in the counseling world when they come in and I ask that question, and, and especially if they're in a profession maybe where it's uh, highly um, discouraged to, to discuss that because of fear of uh, you know, being deemed incompetent for your job or um, maybe if you carry a firearm for, for work then you're somehow a risk factor now for the job. And that's not true. And and what we want to do is we want to have more testimonies like yours. And it sounds like you got testimonies from other people surrounding you saying, Yeah, I was I was there too. I've been down that road. And the more conversations we can have like that, the more normal we'll realize it's just part of the human experience to consider death. I think one of the damnable miseries of uh, advancement of Western medicine is that we we've, we've now looked to Western medicine to cure all our ails, and we've taken death off the table as a normal part of life. We all die, and that's not to give anybody anxiety. It's to it's to make you you know have some perspective and appreciate the short time that we have on Earth, so that we can maximize the most of it, and and make the most of our time. So when we take death off the table as a very normal natural process a process of of life and living life, what we do is we, um, we invalidate the very experiences, psychological, mental, um, or practical experiences, like I almost got hit by a car, holy cow, um, that people in, encounter. And when we do that, what we do is we shut down conversation about it. And I think what you're doing here is you're sharing that it's, it's quite normal to, to have those thoughts and um, quite normal to even consider how you might carry them out. What we want to do is validate that and say, yeah, that's 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 perfectly natural, perfectly normal. Uh, let's stop short of actual uh, commission of the act, right? And that's and that's really, really important to to say. So, um, in order to get there, we have to alleviate judgment. We have to acknowledge people's experiences and so forth. And that's what you and your your peer colleagues, in a very surprising place, it sounds <laughs> you found them, which is among <coughs> veterans, which of which you are not. Um, and now you're in a place where you're like, yeah, this, this, this happened and lots of people have it happen to them and, um, we don't want to make it scary or, or, uh, bizarre to discuss. And I, I really appreciate that. So I think normalizing of the ideation is important. We don't want to ever normalize uh self death. That's, that would be very, very inappropriate. Um, what have you experienced with insofar as like, that conversation with other people, are they, are they, the, the guys you talk to, the gals that you talk to, they're like, yeah, I was, I was here at this place and I'm not this place anymore. Are they stepping into it and embracing it? Or are they still kind of like resisting it because they're hesitant to, to bring it forward and, and bring it, bring light to it for lack of a better oh. uh, term, I guess.
2: I, I think there's, there's a, I think there's a couple ways to go with that. um One, I, one of the things, and I, and I know, you know, uh, you know, you guys know when you hear the word an awful lot, um, is the word awareness, and I mean, I truly believe that there are plenty of people all over the place who are aware of, whether it's suicide, breast cancer, autism, whatever it may be. Um, I know Bill, uh, Bill Emel has, has definitely been, you know, really drilling into me, is that, okay, let's get away from that, and instead it's more about um, education and taking action, and I think that, you know, whether it's, you know, like I said, for me, sure, I was aware of what happened. I had a decision to make that I want to, you know, learn and understand, okay, what's going on with me? What do I need to fix? Do I need someone to help me fix this? And, you know, and then it's, you know, it's, you know, the take action part, you know, am I going to follow through with it? You know, again, I mean, it's, you know, now here we are in, you know, August of 2020, um, you know I would like to think that yes I have taken action I have been getting educated but I also know too though is that it's a process um, I know that just because I'm on meds or just because I, I go to my therapist or um, I know that I have other people that I can reach out to to talk to um, that that if uh, you know I know I'm having one of those days um, you know I, I can do it so I know it's it's an ongoing thing um, the the, the one thing that, that I've learned with people who know me and know what my background is, um, there are a lot of people who are very cognizant about what is going on. What I mean by that is uh, normally I am on social media a lot. Um, I Every now and then I just may disappear from it. And I'll get text messages, private messages. Are you okay? Where are you? You haven't posted anything. Are you cooking? Because, again, people know that. And I have to go back and say, man, I'm just tired of seeing all this political stuff on social media. I'm taking a break. Yes, I am okay. Thank you for checking in. But, again, though, it's because people know and understand me. And and the same thing, too, with some people that that I know, um, that if I don't hear things or see things, uh, you know, it's there's – it, it, it definitely makes life a little bit easier knowing that you have some other people to tap into, but also too that there are some other people who are actually checking in on you again just because they know where you've been um, but they also know the way, what what keeps you in a good place. So it I, I mean I know everybody is entirely you know you know handles it differently. Um, uh, I know for me you know I mean I deal with, uh depression and PTSD, anxiety and you know, every now and then anger issues. But um I know the bottom line for me, and I really have to believe with, with almost anybody else with ideation, it's busy hands, busy mind. Um it's when we're sitting around and no one else is home. Um and you know what you're you know debating, man, I'm I'm bored, it's 115 and whatever. Um, or certainly the other big thing, especially these days is, man, I'm sorry, how much news do you really have to watch in a daytime? Um, you know, if, 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 you know, you're already kind of a little bit on a, you know, kind of a rocky place there about the last thing you need, and at least in my opinion, is any, any, you know, of of that thing. So, um, it's just really trying to find what is that, that something that you know you can do to keep yourself busy. Um, and, and I know for me, sometimes, yeah, it, it certainly is, uh, you know, it, it can be a struggle. Um, and obviously too, during, you know, this particular time in, in, everybody's life, uh, you know, it's not like you can just pick up and go, you know, call, you know, four or five people and Hey, let's go meet at the bar and do something. So I think that definitely has changed a lot of people. Um, and again, I know we all joke about the, like I said, the, the zoom and the Webex, but. I don't know how many times these days where if I have to make phone calls with people, I will say to them, hey, do you want a Zoom call? So, I mean, even if I can't actually be with them face to face, it's like, hey, at least I get to I, I'm seeing somebody. Um, I, you know, you, you see a reaction from, from a person on the phone. You can't do that. You know, so it's been, you know, definitely a little bit of a newer challenge in trying to figure out, OK, how do I still find a way to interact with people? Um, how do I find that way to to still keep myself busy, um, but at the same time, you know, how do I also try to keep my radar open for other people that I know that are out there that may be, you know, struggling a little bit? So, And the other thing, too, though, is that I definitely have learned is that certainly some people, um, you know, aren't bashful about really posting everything on social media and if you know what you're looking for, and you understand, you know a little bit of the the uh, depression or anxiety, and you see something that is in somebody's post that may kind of set off a trigger for you, um, you know you're going to reach out for that person. So you know, th- like I said, there are so many different ways. Um, but like I said, I certainly think over the last few months the challenge has shifted um, as to. How do we reach out to, you know, to to individuals who may be struggling? How do we know if they're struggling? Um, because like I said, yes, I'm very fortunate that mm-hmm. I have a, a you know, uh, a nice little support group. Um, I don't know if everybody can say that. Um, and again, though, too, we also know, too, is that some people, it's like, you know what? No, don't bother me. I'm fine.
0: Yeah. You- I want to tie a couple things together here. One is the awareness component that you've mentioned. I think there's there's two different types there. Uh, there's probably multiple, but the two that that seem to hit my radar most is the the national awareness of the topic and then the personal awareness of knowing how to do something about when you're experiencing whatever you're experiencing. So uh, if I lack awareness, I could you know unconsciously fumble my way into a bad spot you have improved your personal awareness. And it sounds like through that personal awareness, you have done the, the second point, which is how do we <coughs> navigate? Right. So what for you, you unplug with social media. I, I've done the same thing recently where I deleted all the apps off. Now it's not that I don't check. I mean, people send me links and I, I trust that the people who are sending me links cause I've told all my friends too. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm taking a time out. Um, I don't need to see the, the hottest and the latest, uh, you know, hot take. Um, but when they send me something, I I, I trust that it's it's going to either edify me or it's going to be humorous or it's something I need to know, and so that's how I get my news and I have a lot of faith in that and I haven't I haven't missed any major issues yet, but I'm not endlessly scrolling. You've done that. You've implemented that boundary, and uh, you know for me just to, to offer this to the listening audience, the the how that I've done is when I check those things, I have to go through a browser. I just take the took the apps off my phone, uh, so there's a few extra steps in there uh, that, that we have to take in order to get to wherever it is that we want to go. And then once we're there, uh, it's because most of the things are app driven like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, if you're on the browser, it's just, it's just a little more complicated and and you don't get all the bells and whistles and quick, quick clicks. So, uh, having the personal awareness to check on yourself, but then also to check in on other people, I think is really critical. And that's something you just develop over time. Um, I did want to spend a little time talking about diagnostics because something you mentioned earlier, Mark, about um, realizing later on that you had lost interest in your in your cooking, uh, among other things, is one of the hallmarks of depression. It's it's a loss of interest or pleasure in one or more uh, previously enjoyable activities, and if you don't have the the self awareness to notice that that's going on, uh, it can be useful when somebody steps into your world and points it out to you, right? And so that's why it's super important that we normalize the conversation. We don't get scared about reaching out to our friends when we we see that drop off and whatever it is that they used to do. And it it may not always be psychological. Maybe it's just, you know, hey, I noticed you haven't been playing as much racquetball lately. Well, yeah, it's because my knee hurts. Okay, fine. Um, But if you're not aware of that, it can lead to a whole bunch of undesired, uh, unintended negative consequences and outcomes like you continue down the path, right? So um, having the awareness that you've had this change in your life and loss of interest or pleasure is just one thing that can change. That's a major deviation away. And and if you have children, keep an eye on them, know what they're, what they're typically doing, what their tendencies are. And then when they deviate drastically from those, that's, that's a good indicator to go ask. Um, Hey, I noticed you're not talking to to Timmy anymore. Well, it's because Timmy threw dirt in my face at the playground. Okay, good. We know you're not just, you know, withdrawing from social activities. There's a, there's a real reason for it. But sometimes the kid just goes, you know, yeah, the, the eyes fall down and he kicks the carpet or whatever. And and that, that could be a good indicator that something deeper is going on. So knowing how to identify these uh, psychological struggles or emotional avoidances is really, really critical, not only helping others, but to helping self. So kudos to you for, for going that path and and doing that it is a process and as much as I like to say out loud that mental illness is not something that should be struggled with in perpetuity for life uh we have to acknowledge that we didn't often get here overnight and it won't get undone overnight either so you know slow and steady wins the race and we want to see incremental improvements over time uh not stagnate and certainly not go backwards
2: oh yeah I, I agree like I said for me it was um it was real when I started the, my therapy um, when uh, the first therapist that I saw was really one of the first questions is, okay, you know, looking back, is, is there anything that you realized that you didn't do? And it wasn't, it, it didn't come to me right away. And then just really over, I think a couple of sessions was I realized is that, yeah, that was the one thing I did not do that entire time um which i mean you know to me it seemed a little weird because you know we certainly had food in the house but you know what if if my brain is pretty much checking out 12 to 16 hours a day uh the last thing that i want to do is you know, okay i'm going to go you know hang out in my kitchen and do the, do this and that so um yeah like i said like i said just during that time no because my it's you know did i really have any uh I don't know, constructive thoughts during that time, obviously not, because if I did, I would have been doing things a little bit differently. But, uh, you know, being challenged and being able to think back about um, what I didn't do as opposed to, OK, you know, let's spend time talking about what you did do. No, I, I've already accepted that. I did that. Um, OK, I, you know what, I can't change it, but all right, I'm still here. What do we do? you know, now going forward. And then that's, like saying, you know, where, you know, really the process started, you know, kicking in a little bit, Um, you know, was, and again, like I said, you know, earlier, you know, one of the kind of doctors, you know, I would never want to go to a psychiatrist because, you know what, no, I don't want to sit there and like, okay, tell me what your childhood was like and, you know, tell me about, you know, your third grade. And I'm like, you know, no, dude, you know, we're here in the now. But, I mean, again, you know, obviously I just got very fortunate um, with the first person that I saw and then with the person who I now go to see because um, they both challenge me. Uh, you know, they're not there and saying, you know, okay, you know, all right, tell me how you feel today. No, it's, it's, I get challenged. Um, I'm, I'm pushed, um, you know, and with, I, I know with, with her, there's no, there's no right or wrong answers. Um, it's like, okay, you know what what's going on today, or I mean, for example, i went to um i escaped Vegas for a couple of weeks, yes, I admit it, I ran away um i I went to Michigan and uh um I got to see my granddaughters for two weeks, and you know what i i drove didn't fly um I loved driving, I had thirty hours one way of just you know no one else was on the road um coming and going, and it just so happened that. The Friday that I got home, I was halfway home, and I had my phone appointment with my doctor. She asked me how I was, and I said, "Hey, don't take this the wrong way, but this was the greatest two weeks of therapy that I've ever had in my life." Um, I had friends of mine ask me, I "Said there were no pictures, you know, of you with the babies," and I said, "Man, all I did was I sat and watched. It was just, you know, it was great watching them. Uh, we had a birthday party for them. Um, my youngest daughter was able to come in from Chicago." I got to spend some time with both my girls separately, and it was amazing. But I knew when I got back, I was going to have a little bit of a letdown after having that two-week high, um, you know. But it's I, I sort of prepared myself for it. I knew, and and my wife had my an day, and certainly by the end of the week, I was definitely kind of getting back into my groove again, um, you know. So I I've learned a little bit. You know, as to okay, yes, I had this great time. Yep, I know I'm going to be a little bit bummed out because I'm I'm not with them. Unfortunately, my wife couldn't come with me, and but you know what? It was it was great. They're going to come out here in December. Um, you know, so again, you know, I I knew, but I also knew though was that okay? I can be a little bit down about it, but don't get depressed about it. Um, and that's why I said so by the end of the week, you know, just started to get, you know, you know, get back on track a little bit. And I th- that's why I said to me, I think the fact that that's to me where the the education part of learning, not only you know, a, a little bit more about myself, um, but the also understanding a little bit is that, you know, there's there's a process. I mean, it, it's no different when, uh, you know, I used to teach. Uh, You know, little seven-year-olds, you know, playing basketball. I mean, there's a process. Uh, You know, before you can run down the court and dribble, you have to be able to stand there and dribble, um, you know, or do a variety of different things, you know. So I know that some of those things are transferable. And, you know, definitely over time, you know, I've learned to accept some of those things that it's not like what it was when I was back in my late 20s, early 30s, where I could just flip a switch and all is good. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I could blow up. Okay, I'm done. I flipped a switch. That doesn't work that anymore. Any, you know, that doesn't work that way anymore. I know a lot of things have changed, but like I said, that's where the education part came in. Um, and again, and that was why that I did get involved with the suicide prevention because I knew that there were an awful lot of things that I, I needed to understand. Um, uh, you know, my my background was in phys ed and sports medicine. So, I mean, if if you broke a bone, sprained something, did something, whatever, yep, I can take care of you. But if your eggs are all scrambled up here, I don't know what I can do for you. And I know, okay, I, you know, kind of needed to um, educate myself in that, learn a little bit more. And like I said, too, I've been very fortunate with a lot of people that I've met who are in that industry, um, who have given me the time, um, and, you know, where... You know, as opposed to someone might say, you know, hey, here's a book, read this, or here's a link, read that. Um, I've been able to sit down and talk with people, face to face, and be able to ask questions as opposed to go ahead and try to read something and then decipher it. Does this work for me or not? And like I said, I mean, that's what you know. The the part of it again was, like I said, I go back to the education, the taking action. If someone is saying to me, hey, I'm willing to sit down and talk with you. I'd be crazy not to do it.
1: Well, on that note, because that I'm crazy. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, on that note, because because when we the way we met, Jake and I were actually presenting at a conference um, in Vegas. Uh, I can't remember the date. That was about a year ago, you know, no correct? It, was, it was in October. October, October of last year. year. Okay, October of last year, and. Um, you know, we met at the conference, we talked, we exchanged numbers. We didn't, we didn't talk after that. Um, but then one day Jake and I were invited to come on to like, I think it was the mayor's challenge for, for Nevada and you popped up, right? So it's always interesting to me for, there's different levels of, of giving back to the world in my opinion, right? There's those that just do it financially, which I think is perfectly fine. You know, if you don't have the time to really dig in and get dirty and go into the weeds of things. Hey, finan- financially helping somebody that's perfect, right? Cause you're going to support the people that are the boots on the ground. Um, but so you, you work with this foundation um, you, you've dedicated your life to it be- and and you even take it a step further. Cause now you're on these, you're on the governor's challenge, you're on the mayor's challenge. Um, and I think that, you know, I compliment you for that because helping people is not easy. It really isn't because a, we're dealing with really horrible subjects, and we're living in it. Um, but talk about some of the other things you do, like you know your work with Assist. And
2: it, I mean, yeah, it it it, yeah, it definitely has opened up a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of doors and people that I've met. Um, uh, for me, one one of the people uh, who I got to know, Richard Egan, from the you know Nevada Coalition Suicide Prevention. I know you guys know him very well. And, um, I mean, he was one of the people who I know I've been able to talk to. And um, I know from from our foundation, again, well, we do have the word suicide in our our name. Um, In the beginning, I was very hesitant about taking the Safe Talk class just because of of where I've been. Um, And I finally mentioned it to my doctor one day, and uh, she asked me how long I knew about this class. And I told her, and and I thought she was going to beat me up. Um, you know, so she convinced me and I, and I told Richard I was going to take the class. And again, um, you know, and I'm sure you, know, you guys know the class, you, you know, you have a lot of people in there and again, they're there for various reasons. Um, for me, I think in the beginning, and even though I talk about the education and take action, I was extremely hesitant about that. Um, and it really wasn't until about a couple months later, uh, when I had a conversation with somebody and they asked me, and I think it was like, I really didn't care to go back in a sense. And, and it was like, was I going to relive this? Um, and so when I went to the Safe Talk class and I'm, I'm watching the slides uh, and any, every slide that came up, I'm like thinking, yep, I did that. Yep, I did that. Yep, I sounded like that. Yep, I said those things. Um, you know, so it, it kind of, I think at some point it made me feel, was that, okay, I can relate to this. Um, I can understand it. Um, And obviously, I'm not the only person who goes through this because they had to have gotten this information, you know, living works from somewhere. Um, And, you know, when I took it, yes, I felt very comfortable with it. Um, When I took the the two-day assist class, and and again, I know, obviously, you know, the the safe talk, um, you know, that person is not quite at that stage. Right, they're not in um, that crisis. Yep, yeah, you you know there's something going on, you definitely want to try to find out, and then obviously, you know, try to get them back to where they should be. Um, assist we know is a little bit different, the two-day class, and and again, I just felt that um, it was important for me because I know a lot of people can, can go and try to help in a crisis or in a situation, um, and there are many times where uh, you know, people can't really understand what someone else is going through. Um, unfortunately for me, I can't. I mean, it, it's we know you don't want to say that to a person, but I know for me thinking about it, um, I know where the, per, this person is. I know where they've been. I know where I do not want them to go. Um, and that was when I, when I took the class. And on day two, um, we were doing uh, the the role play. And so I was the person, you know, who was, was trying to get the other person, you know, out of crisis. And Richard had uh, the screen up on the, you know, the, the slide up on the, um, on the board there, you know, so if you wanted to go ahead and double check. And we all know, too, is that um, even if you are really, really good at something, role playing is a little bit different. And, and, you know, I mean, it, some people can get a little bit giddy. They can get a little bit nervous. You, you don't know what's going on. It can seem corny sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's I mean, yeah you, you kind of feel like, okay, yes, this is serious, but I don't know why I'm getting a little bit nervous mm-hmm. because I do this in a regular job and then, like, weird things start coming <sighs> out of your mouth. And, um, yeah, so I know with me is I was, I was with a number of um, mental health professionals and uh, people from police when it was my turn to do the assist part. I was just like cruising right through this and got this person to where they needed to be. And someone across the table, I just kind of looked and said, wow, you're really good at this. And I could see Richard, you know, the the corner just kind of like smirking a little bit. And I just turned to them and said, I can relate. I said, I've been there. I said, unfortunately I've done that. And again, they did not know who I was. They did not know where, you know, you know, what was what, um, I think in in some respects, you know, it it can help, Um, you know, certainly doesn't guarantee that, you know what, I'm going to absolutely positively get that person out of crisis. You know, I mean, I hope so, but I know that I I understand what, what they're thinking, um, what they're feeling. And, you know, because I, you know what we, we see it in on television and movies and all sorts of other things that people say, Oh, I understand how you feel. I don't think you do, or even in real life and things like that. Um, you know, whether someone's trying to make you feel comfortable, there are certainly other ways to do it. Like I said, I know for me is I, I can understand it. Um, I can definitely take that extra moment to think about, okay, this is where they're at. I have an idea of where they're probably going to go, and I don't want them to get there. And again, I just kind of take back to look at is, okay, you're you're married, you've been married for 30 years, you have three kids and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Um, you find things that, you know, they can grab onto because I think sometimes other people like trying to think is, uh, you know, hey, you really don't want to do this, do you? I don't know if that's exactly the, the best question to ask. Um, so again, because I can think of certain things, I think it's a little bit more comfortable for me to find out. Okay, what are the things that you do like?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, you know, one of the things that that you know you you know uh, you have a boat, you like going out onto the lake, the, whatever the cases are. And again, I just think sometimes either people will overthink it. Um, uh, they may. Dramatize it a little bit, and again, if like I said, and again, it's not taking anything away from people in the the mental health field, um, but sometimes I think we can get a little bit too technical and not look at what is the reality that is actually staring you in the face if you're sitting on the floor with somebody you know, who's, who's uh, you know, thinking about, you know, throwing down a whole bunch of pills and washing it down with 100-proof whiskey.
0: Yeah, you, you're what you're touching on there is protective factors, reasons to people to stay alive. We don't, and I don't want to turn this into a training, um, you know, an, an intervention training, but um, it's important to highlight there's, there's layers to this very complex con, uh, topic called suicidality one is what we just just spent a great deal of time on which is discussing the awareness but then there's the actual there's intervention and then there's there's postvention and a lot of what we do in suicide work is prevention and prevention has to do with protective factors and uh, protective factors are things that you you enjoy and uh, stuff that like I said will keep you alive and if you if you can get to know the person, and highlight those, oftentimes those end up becoming the reasons that they they pull out of that crisis. A couple other things I want to touch on. One is um, some really, really good work done by a, a friend and mentor of mine, Dr. Christian Conti, C-O-N-T-E, if you want to look him up. Uh, he's got an amazing YouTube channel, phenomenal website, lots of resources, lots of writing. Uh, but he teaches this thing called yield theory. And in a nutshell, what yield theory is, is meeting people where they are. But uh, that sounds simple, and it's but it's very hard to get out of our own way and out of our own heads to really meet people where they are. And what he often says is, it, it takes the metaphor of walking a mile in another person's shoes to being that person. So if you can, if you if you encounter this, you're somebody listening in the audience, and you're like, oh man, I've, I've flirted with that situation a couple of times, and I didn't know how to respond to the the individual who's in crisis. The best thing you can do is validate the crap out of them because whatever they're feeling is real. It doesn't matter why it's real to them and it's significant. And if you can be that person, which we know is impossible, but you make your best effort knowing what you know about them. If you were them, you would do the same thing. You would have the same thoughts. You'd have the same responses to the environment. You'd have the same decisions on your table. Um, so the last thing we want to do is invalidate what they're going through by saying, Oh, you don't want to do that. Or, uh, this is, that's a bad idea. You know, get, get all judgmental. Go, no, this is real. Like I, if I were you, I would be in your spot. And it's true because if you were them and you had all the life experiences and the cognitive functioning and the uh, emotional experiences and all that stuff, you would be doing that. And so it makes complete sense. And it doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense to us. It makes sense to the other person. So meeting them where they are, joining with them, and then trying to highlight those those really positive things in their life is really important. Now, the other thing I wanted to touch on is that if you're ever pressed into crisis intervention – and this speaks to the technical aspect of it where like a, a, a licensed trained mental health clinician would could go this direction and try to help them with their life. That's not your job in a crisis In a crisis intervention. Your job is to return the person to pre-crisis state. Your job is not to forgive the the language. Your job is not to unfuck their life. If their life was screwed up to begin with, then you return them to that. You get them out of the crisis later than other people, professionals, community members, family members can step in and try to unfuck their life. But but we, we just get them out of the crisis first. And then we go from there. And I think a lot of people in crisis situations start seeing the overwhelming picture of this person's life beyond the crisis. And it's like, oh, man. You, you, you you're got you're getting a divorce uh, your kids don't like you you lost your job like that's that's all stuff that leads to the crisis moment we don't go there because that's a never-ending path of, of misery and you, you don't have time right what you want to do in the crisis is regulate them back into pre-crisis state and then do a, an effective handoff to an advance a more advanced level of care that's beyond just you being a human being validating everything that's going on with them so I wanted to highlight those things because I, I think this is a really important conversation where a lot of people go, yeah, 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 suicide prevention. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, man, I don't think I could ever do that. Well, yes, you can. All you got to do is just be a human. Love, love others, but only for that moment. And then recognize where the limits are and the boundaries so that the conversation after they go, you know what, I, I've moved down on my scaling from, man, I was a 9 out of 10 on killing myself. Now I'm like a 4. Well, you're pretty safe at a 4. Um, now let's not launch into how to talk to your opposing counsel in the divorce
1: settlement. <laughs> like That's not the time for that. Right. Right? <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I kind of want to touch on is I want to talk about to some of the stuff that uh, your foundation kind of promotes um, psych armor, those type of things. We'll get to that. But you know, just I wanna to touch on what you just said because it's kinda of interesting. You use the example of pills, right? Like someone's sitting on the floor and you're sitting to them with pills. But one of the reasons why you're here today is because you used that same example with me on a phone call last week and you said I've been in instances where I've been sitting on the floor talking to someone who's holding a, a loaded firearm. Right. And and what you wanted to do today was before we got on this podcast, was come over and just kind of do a gun 101 session. And I think that was awesome because um, it, it actually made me think about when you called me, I had never thought about it before because we're, you know, Jake and I go out there and we we educate all kinds of different people on firearms, but most of them are never in the situation. Like, you know, we have this cultural competence course where we talk to therapists and mental health professionals, but we're not talking and teaching them about firearms in the sense of, you know, someone's sitting in your office holding a firearm. You brought the perspective of, I go on these calls, and I have to be in a room and maybe talk somebody down and try to get them back to that state that, that Jake was talking about. Um, and I think I should know a little something about firearms, right? So we are, we're sitting here, or we were sitting here um, before we started the podcast, and I had laid out uh, a variety of handguns and a shotgun and, and AR you know, and we, we went through just little basic things that you could kind of recognize, whether a magazine was in, in the firearm, also to where to look for safeties and what direction the safety's in. Uh we talked about muzzle flashing and trigger discipline. Um and those are things that you'll be able to use in the future and, you know, be able to identify things when you're talking to somebody. But I, I just wanna commend you for that because it's given us a great idea that yeah, you know, this information needs to be passed to people that might be in that situation, and you have said you've been in that situation, so thank you for that.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of it, you know, you know, came down to was, um, you know, once I got involved with both the mayor's and the governor's challenge, and um, being in D.C. at the Policy Academy, and you know, we spent a lot of time talking about lethal means. Um, Psych Armor has courses, and there are other ones that are out there, and. To me, the way I look at it, again, not being a veteran, I'm not a gun owner. I don't go out and shoot guns. But if if, if we are promoting this this lethal means and the gun safety, um, to me, it it just makes a little bit more sense that I know more about these these weapons. Um, you know, what is it that that maybe you know I I need to learn? You know, in regard to okay, you know. Is the safety on or off? Um, okay, sure. You know the um, uh, you know the magazine may be out, but is there still a bullet in the chamber? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different things. So, it and again in in taking the lethal means classes, um, you know that information isn't there. So you know certainly it's great that we can sit down you know and try to talk this person out of the crisis, but I just feel that there is some other components that I think. Uh, a person needs because again, is not knowing who you may be dealing with. Um, and obviously too, again, if you are not um, a uh, a gun savvy person, how comfortable is anybody going to be, um you know, in that type of situation? And, and again, I'm not saying you know that. Yep. Yeah, okay, great. We all need to, you know go out and buy firearms and do whatever. However, there certainly are avenues that we do have as to, you know, where can we get that that education. Oh. Um, you know, so, again, yep. I mean, I'm sure you you already know from today is that um, we ain't done with this. I'm coming back for more. Right. Uh, <laughs> I,
1: I... <laughs> yeah, Jake, Jake, you would have loved it. We had, like, 15 <laughs> guns out on the table. It looks kind of funny. It's, it's a great um, idea, it, 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 Yeah, it, it,
2: it, and it, they were all unloaded, so we're, we're okay, so... Um,
1: yeah, safety was first. Yeah, made you know, sure it was. It's a great idea, though. Well, gun one you know, like
0: te- teach the teach yeah. the interventionists what you know at least to be reasonably competent and not scared. And even if you're not, I think one of the best pieces of advice I could give is when you don't know something about somebody else's situation, openly state it. Say, hey, you know what? I, I see you're you're holding a the gun there. I'm not a gun guy. I'm not really sure what that is, but but when you can say, I'm just wondering, is it loaded? Is it chambered? Like, those are great opening phrases that anybody can use, and you don't need to know every technical intricacy of the firearm. Uh, that at least creates rapport. It says that you're, you're not a rube, and you're acknowledging, I'm not an expert in this area. I'm just here to save your life. And, and that builds a lot of rapport when you can, when you can acknowledge your own um, lack of information or blind spot, but you know just enough to, that matters, right? You know, hey, is the safety on? Uh, and then they'll look at you like you got a hole in your head because it's a gun that doesn't have a safety. Uh, <laughs> but but at least yeah. knowing enough to a- of what to ask is is really important, I think.
2: yeah, I, like I said, I just think it's taking that that lethal means component of all these different things that we can read on, again, how to handle that situation. Um but again, though, there is still another you know major component that is a part of this. And again, like I said, you know, it's not as if, you know, we have to, you know, know the, uh, you know, look, we're not all going to pull John Wick and grab a a gun out of a hand and, you know, disassemble it in 16 seconds. Um, But again, to me, like I said, there certainly are, you know, I think aspects that would be helpful. But I also think, though, too, is that when we're certainly trying to promote lethal means, and again, we know here in, you know, Clark County, what, you know, how high, New gun buyer sales is, and you know what? Again, how many of these people? And you know, we look at again, are kids going back to school? Are they not going back to school? Is this person a new uh, gun owner? Do they have it locked up? Do they? Is there any ammo in there? Is the safety on? Is it not on? And now kids are home 24/7. But, you know, now is there something else that we can put out? Because like you said, you would love to know the statistics of all these people being trained or not being trained. Again, if we could, you know, do something out there and, you know, put something out there and say, hey, okay, here are these different types of weapons. You know, you may or not realize that, okay, you didn't put the safety on or not. Um, You know, do a variety of different things. And again, I I, kind of feel a little bit that, we're talking about something that obviously can kill people and yet we're still having this conversation as to you, you have it, but you're not taking any precautions to keep you and your family safe. And that's why I said to me, I, I just feel like in this lethal means we just need another step. Um, and, you know, if, if we could put, Video, do something together. I, I almost kind of look at it where, like, you know, you're asking about the number 22. It doesn't make a difference if it's one or 22. If we can get one one gun owner to actually see that video and realizing that he's been leaving this gun in his top dresser draw um, with a bullet still in the chamber and the safety off because he didn't know that there still might be a bullet in there. And how do you know someone in the house is not going to find it?
0: You know, Walk the Talk America offers a gun cultural competence class. Just throwing that out there. Uh, (laughs) We're laughing. You can't see it on on the uh, audio, but um, it's something we're really proud to offer. And and we're doing a three part course. Now it's going to be a full blown certificate course. We start out with one part, which is the introduction. Um, But, being able to have the conversation about what what is in there and then have a conversation about safe storage is really critical to clinicians, especially when we're dealing with parents of uh, dysregulated teenagers and the parents of the gun owners. And they are, you know, they, for some reason, to borrow a phrase from Rob Pincus, he says, uh, you know, these, these guys have these guns staged all over the house, you know, un- unlocked, uh, chambered, loaded, uh, because they think Isis is gonna kick in their their window at three in the morning um, that's just not a not a statistical possibility and yet the, what is the statistical possibility is that the the dysregulated teenager finds the firearm and uses it inappropriately or we have little kids who just stumble across them and you know accidental discharges take place or they're trying to impress their friends from across the street or 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 they think they know more than they do and something bad happens. so you know being able as a clinician to to Engage in those conversations confidently and competently is critical to ensuring home safety. and And I can speak on my uh, on behalf of my profession. We've had tons of training about you know locking up the sharp objects so the kid doesn't you know hurt himself, which again is an impossibility because how many sharp objects are in your house? They're not just all in the knife drawer. Um, but right, you know, pills. You don't have to be a pharmacist to to know what types of pills are dangerous and what are not. Um, you know, just having a reasonable baseline level of of understanding when it comes to lethal means of anything, is is just good, responsible interventionist professional development. So we are proud to offer these classes, uh, and hopefully more people enroll in them. and And I would anticipate that we would have one off courses like the one you're talking about, where we just go over the mechanics of the firearm itself, uh, because so many people don't know. And to your point, so many new gun owners. Don't know either. We have some, some data from the National Sh- uh, Shooting Sports Foundation that says, um, in the first four months of 2020, uh, we have two and a half million new gun owners and approximately only 25 percent of those have ever taken a firearm safety course. That's, that's startling, uh, like, like truly startling. So we, we do need to continue to get the messaging out and it's not about, it's not about rights restriction. It's about being responsible nobody wants to steal your driver's license because you you know got a brand new car what we want you to do is know how the pedals operate and where the levers are so that you don't you know turn the windshield wipers on when you mean to turn the turn signal on that's not rights restriction that's just that's education
1: yeah it's a uh, you know as as we kind of unpack this whole new relationship right which i I truly believe it it's going that direction it seems like the mental health side of things is realizing that restriction is not going to work, just because so many people are not going to come forward um, when there is issues. And if you truly care about saving lives, then then restriction shouldn't matter. Um, you find a way to save lives, and then as the firearms industry puts their uh, I don't want to say their guard down a little bit, but starting to understand that you know we lose so many vets and first responders who uh, gravitate towards our industry naturally. Um, it's been this red elephant in the room, giant red elephant that we didn't want to talk about for so long, but we were losing so many of what we consider our own, you know, these conversations become, uh, so important and the education component is so crucial. Um, and it's crucial both ways, right? Cause like you making that phone call to me, um, opened my eyes to, oh, man, there, that's a lane that we weren't even thinking about. Right. And I think that happens. I mean, Jake, that happens. To us a, that's happened, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had people come forward. We're always
0: learning. It's, I mean, we, as much as we like to think that, you know, we're doing something new that nobody else has done, which maybe we are, but um, when you're doing something new that nobody else has done, there's a whole lot to learn. Um, all we're doing is trying to, to be nimble and responsive enough to all that new information.
2: Well, yeah, and I, I think the other thing, too, and, and the both of you know as well is – um, and again, I hate using the word, you know, the, the new norm, whatever, but um, again, I think, you know, really, you know, how we are looking at, I think, especially mental health, um, you know, since, you know, probably what maybe April on, um, I think whatever everybody knew before has changed an awful lot o- over time. And again, I'm not a mental health expert. Uh, but you know, I mean, I've seen obviously how things have changed, how people are reacting to things, um, what is going on, and on top of it for this year. I mean, not that there's ever a good time or a bad time, but um, when you take a pandemic and put it on top of an election year,
1: <laughs>
2: um, uh, I mean, we uh, th- this is like I think the 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 perfect storm. Uh, you know, for the mental health industry, uh, I mean, goodness knows how much data people are going to be able to pull. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I know, you know, kind of giggling a little bit about it, but it 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 really is uncharted, I think, territory. And you know, how not only you know do do the communities react to it, but you know, how are the professionals, you know, really going to go out there and be able to deal with what is going on because, you know, that, there were so many, you know, so many unknowns and so many curveballs that are being thrown out there that I think that, you know what, whatever the game plan used to be to handle this, this, and this, you know, it j- just changed quite dramatically.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's not, it's not insignificant. Um, and not to, you know, be Debbie Downer here, Johnny Raincloud, but, Don't. Now we're hearing rumors of uh, insurance reimbursement rates being slashed, and and I get it. Like the the insurance companies didn't budget for this type of drain on their resources. Uh, as more and more people seek mental health care, that's a good thing. Um, but it's also it can be it can be really obstructive to care if suddenly providers go, well, I ca- I can't even afford to keep the lights on because you dropped my reimbursement rate so low. Uh, so that's a reality, and we we just have to be advocates for for the stuff that we want, you know, care, um, safety, um, and I don't I don't use those terms lightly. I don't I don't mean to blanket them. I'm also with you on the whole new normal thing. None of this is normal, and it should not ever be accepted as normal. <laughs>
2: right. Yep. And, and, yeah. And, and like I said, is um, I think this is just where you uh, it was like. I was reading yesterday. Um, uh, how does how does Pizza Hut go bankrupt? I didn't really think that the pizza was that expensive to begin with, but, I mean, you know, they're looking to, to go bankrupt. Um, but I think we're – and and I know, and you know, we were both on a, on a call the other day um, where I, I think I know where messages can get out. Um, social media, yes, can be used for good things as well. Social media can be used for information. Um, I know that I've been on an awful lot of Facebook roundtables where just, you know, it, it's a whole group of di- people from, you know, different organizations, different entities. It's open to everybody. And where we used to be able to do networking at places, I'm now finding I'm doing networking on a Facebook roundtable. Um, and I was on a call with, with somebody who was, you know, doing something that, will use like said, I mean, I hadn't thought about it. Hey, can I get your information? Um, You know, so I think, you know, we're almost going to have to kind of, you know, sort of take a little bit away from the the mainstream media and and all these other kind of outlets and, you know, really take a look at and say, okay, what are the other avenues that we know that we can get information out? Who can we tap into? Uh, who can we bring on board? And, and that's why, you know, I mean, definitely with the Mayor's and Governor's Challenge is I want to start doing these roundtables. We certainly have a lot of resources here in Southern Nevada, but there's also seven or eight other Governor's Challenges, and there are so many other organizations across the country that are doing great things that I would love to be able to pull in. And in a sense, it's all, like I said, it's doing, the, it's, it's virtual networking. Um, again, I know I certainly, uh, I will never have all the answers. I have an awful lot of questions, but again, how do I find these people to ask the questions or what resources do I know I can tap into that, that I haven't been? And, and I think part of what, um, as the foundation, as Warrior Suicide Prevention Foundation, we've definitely, you know, changed a lot of things that we're doing. And part of it is the, the education um, and trying to let people know what is available, what are the things that, that, you know, you can learn to, you know, make sure that you are in a better place or, uh, you know, you know, do you need um, financial assistance? Did you know that you can go to the Nevada Department of Veterans Services and there are links on there? All these different things that I think for vets, they probably do know about it because everybody's lives have been so turned upside down. I think sometimes we forget about the things that, we have used in the past, but just because, you know, uh, our, our our thought process has been a little bit derailed, we've forgotten about some of the things that, that we, we know we can use on outlets that are there, you know, and, and, you know, how are we letting people know that this information is out there? Well, that's,
1: you bring up, you know, you just said... How- Tell us about some of the things you do, and and some of the other organizations you work with, and, and you know, there's some interesting stuff you have going on.
2: Um, well, through, I mean, being lucky in in uh, well the mayor's challenge. Um, I did not know any well, I sort of knew but didn't know enough, and that's where I met uh, Kim Donahue, who's the team lead for that, because she was at the same conference we were all at, and she was one of the people speaking on the last day of the conference and talked about it. I immediately went up and said. What is this, and how do I get involved with it? And I I got involved in that, and I think it was like the following month, November, uh, whatever that was. Um, well, nineteen, if it was last year, I think. Feels like um, a decade wasn't ago, year, but it was just
0: it was just a year.
2: Oh yeah. Um, and and then just from from working with her, and you know, she knew my involvement with suicide prevention. Um, in about two weeks before. Uh, The Policy Academy in D.C., she called me and said, you know, hey, we'd like you to get involved in the Governor's Challenge. Um, Part of that call for me actually gave me a little bit of validation that, okay, what I'm doing is making a difference. Uh, Because, I mean, I know the people who are on that team and and what they've been involved with and what their backgrounds are. And I was like thinking, okay, okay. You know this is great. I'm going to get to learn a little bit more, and going to to, to that policy academy. Um, I, I know for me, a c- couple of the big takeaways that I got from there was um, uh, Psych Armor, which is based in San Diego, and they have over 140 free courses on there, and it's geared towards veterans, but there's also things on there for civilians. So when I learned about it, I know for me, I. Went to this because I'm like, okay, I'm still learning about vets, and they had all these different courses that I can have. And like, they have one which is called, you know, 15 things veterans want you to know. And I'm I'm reading it, and as I'm going through it, I'm like, kind of thinking, well, this is a lot of common sense stuff. But I'm thinking, well, wait a second, I'm not the person who owns a business who's looking to hire people, or I'm not a person in a bank, you know, who you know do a loan, whatever the case is. There are all these amazing courses on there. Um, eventually I know, uh, with, with, Kim was able to work with, with psych armor and, you know, we have a direct link with them with some programs, but I'm also now in the process of working with them in conjunction with WSP foundation is I want to develop in a sense, like a curriculum. If you're a civilian, these are the courses you should take. If you're a veteran. These are some courses we suggest you take, uh, the civilian side. That was real easy for me to figure out. The veteran side, I, I sent the link out to a number of different people and I, I asked them to pick like their top three to five and, and see what they think of. We're gonna work directly with Psych Armor to help promote uh, these type of, of classes and go ahead and take them. Um, I believe in September actually Psych Armor is coming out with something new, uh, with September being Suicide Prevention Month. And but again, they have all these, you know, resources there, and, and it's amazing. Uh, you know, instead of going, you know, going online and searching, where can I find this? Find, everything is right there. The the other one, uh, which I know we have been uh, really promoting quite a bit, and a, as it turned out, also learned something else. Um, with all the trips that I made to the hospital, not one single person ever asked me, like I said before, you know, hey, are you are you looking to hurt yourself, kill yourself? I found out afterwards that um, Cheryl Roarwoods, uh, who is with uh, the Office of Suicide Prevention and the um, Outreach Coordinator for Zero Suicide, has basically been doing, like, anonymous um, surveys with hospitals really to find out, do they ask those questions? And the answer is no. Um, I And I sat in, in uh, a room with her one day when she was doing a presentation, and I'm looking up at those numbers, and... After going through what I did, I was not shocked. I actually, I wasn't surprised. I was just shocked at what the number was. And I know one of the things that they're working on um, is trying to, to incorporate the Columbia Protocol. And in this day and age, uh, you know, with, without being able to do Safe Talk classes, um, you know, it, it's you know, because they're, they're done live, um, we don't have that option. When I first had a chance to see the Columbia Protocol, uh, it's an app, and it's also on a piece of paper. It's six questions. Um, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, you just ask the questions. There's very little training. All we ever do is tell people is do not change the wording. Um, do not add anything. Don't delete anything. Just ask the questions based on how the person answers either yes or no. At the end, it's going to say, here is the 1-800 number to call, suicide hotline. If not, it's okay. It's on paper. It's on an app. And, and like I said, I think in today's day and age where there are so many people going through mental health crisis that, like me, they probably don't know what they're dealing with unless somebody can recognize it. Um, again, with all the people who are out of work. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, uh, $600, uh, ended all these other different things and people are just not sure how to deal with it. But if you have a friend that maybe has a, a slight idea that you're a little, you know, off kilter, they want to try to ask the question. And, and I think, you know, the, the three of us know, certainly the, the last thing that we would ever <laughs> want anyone to say who may have that ideation is don't walk up to somebody and go, you know, you're going to kill yourself today not exactly the best question to ask a person who may be dealing with a mental health issue. Um, but having this app is, is to to me is truly incredible. Um, because again, you, you never know who you might be helping. Uh, we have, we have seen a lot of people who have, you know, downloaded it, who have used it. Um, and like I said, you know we're encouraging people to try to use it since we can't offer the safe talk classes, and if this is certainly another avenue, you know then then that's great. Um, and obviously, with everything that the foundation does, certainly ties into what you know the the two challenges do, which is basically you know let's cut down that number of suicides. And at this point, whether it's you know doesn't make a difference: veterans, civilians, 17 and under, uh, 65 and over. Um, you know, we know here, I believe Richard on, the, on one of the last calls um, was that, you know, the, our numbers are pretty much um, even except 65 and over is up. Um, I, I know for me, where, where I live, and it was about a quarter mile from my house um, and it was in the paper, 84-year-old um, husband and wife murder-suicide. Um, there, you know, that, that to me, that should not happen. I mean, there are a lot of things coming out about it, but, um, you know, again, I, I truly believe that, that as a community, we can definitely find ways that we could certainly help other people, um. You you don't have to be an expert, but certainly if you have that kind of relationship with your neighbor, your buddy, you know, whoever that friend may be, you know what? And you really care about them. You're not exactly sure how to ask the question. That, that app is right there. Uh, download it, um, and it's it, it's simple. It's easy. And you know what? If if you can save a, a you know your friend, a family member, whoever it may be. A, that, that app was well worth downloading, and it doesn't cost anything anyways.
0: Yeah, the, the Columbia, to which uh, Mark's referring, is the Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale, and it's um, it's well known throughout the clinical <laughs> community. And Zero Suicide is trying to push it more into the hands of the, the frontline contacts, like your primary care physicians, your hospitalists. Um, to to start asking the question, if you want to learn more, you can go to cssrs.columbia.edu. Columbia University is where it came out, of. that's why it got its name. But it's it's worldwide and it's super well known. And then PsychArmor, it's p s y c h uh, armor.org. They got a ton of really cool resources there. Um, they're they're doing a lot to help advance the the conversation and expand understanding about you know, military culture for sure, but also mental health as it relates. Well, we are almost pushing an hour and a half, Mr. Sadini.
1: Yeah, I need a nap. You <laughs> You've been talking a
0: lot, man. That's this has been really, really good. A very, very edifying. Very educational. Um, glad we got the chance to do this. Um, I, Mike, you always ask your your favorite question here at the end. You wanna you wanna ask that to Mark?
1: I do. I feel like he answered yes. it, but maybe you can just
0: summarize. <laughs>
1: Um, I always ask, how do you tend to your mental health? Wow. anything besides, I guess you, you you obviously have shared that you go to a therapist, but is there anything else? Um,
2: you know what? I mean i i don't I don't think, like I said, it it's trying to keep you know to keep busy, whether it's you know a, a game that I have on the phone or my tablet. Um, I love old. Uh, uh, tv shows and so i mean i'm not going to say where i'm finding them since they're not paying me uh but i mean you know there are some some free apps that are out there and i mean you know i've found shows back you know from from when i was a kid and, and some of these other kind of things um you know sit back and you know i mean i get a a lot of those and you know i mean you know other than that it's for me it you know it, it's being able to you know to uh uh, to get on a Facebook chat with you know my granddaughters um, uh, you know or seeing little pictures and videos and things like that because like i said it's uh, you know i it, there certainly definitely could have been an opportunity where i would have missed that um, and, and i know for me that definitely is is you know a driving you know a driving force uh, you know seeing how they continue to grow and, and everything else like i said my my two kids are are grown up um, but, you know, I'm also kind of a fan that, uh, you know, any, any, any parent who raised children, um, and, and, you know, things that you go through, and I know my wife and I are definitely big proponents of payback is a bitch. Um, and, and I'm sorry, there's just some things I don't want to miss And I love hearing about some things with my daughter, but, uh, you know, nevertheless, you know, it, it, it's great to see. So there, you know, it, it's a combination of things, but, you know, Honestly, the other thing, too, is uh, Sue and I have been married almost 36 years. Um, and, you know, you know we, we, we certainly have gone through an awful lot in our lifetime. Um, but, you know, she has stuck with me. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, you know, what I would do, um, you know, without knowing that, you know, I mean, you know, she's, she's there every day for me. Um, you know, the same way, too, that it's been a process for me. I know it's been a process for her. But uh, the bottom line is that we we continue to go through this together hmm. so um, you know neither one of us are about to give up on it. Uh, there's still plenty of things that that I know you know uh, we still want to do and, and you know try to do and uh, you know like I say it's you know, it's it's one day at a time you know one foot in front of the other whatever cliche you want to use but um, you know the, the bottom line is I think at this point is you know what I I there are plenty of things that, yeah, I really couldn't care less if I miss, but there are plenty of things that I want to make sure I do not miss. Um, so obviously family. But I think the other thing too, though, is for me now knowing, um, I think, I think you know, really how much work needs to be done with what we're talking about here in, in suicide prevention, um, you know, has, has kind of given me a little bit of a lift too, is that, okay, there are some things that that I would like to see done, being a part of some of these organizations definitely has helped. And, you know, if, if there's a way that I can make an impact um, and I can let people know that, you know what, yeah, there there is a reason for being here the next day. So long answer short, short answer long.
0: Awesome. No, it's good. I have zero issues with that answer. Well, um, I really sure appreciate you being here. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Um, a lot of a lot of fertile ground to be tilled in this uh, suicide prevention effort that we're all, um, you know, part of and moving the moving the ball forward. Hopefully, it's not just a you know a ball that gets moved forward, but we actually move the needle on on saving lives. That's that's what's going to be really important. So, well, um, on behalf of my partner down there in Las Vegas. Mike, Sudini, and the rest of the Walk the Talk America folks. Thank you, Mark Detzer, for coming on board.
1: Thank you. Appreciate yeah. the time. How do people find out about you and your organization?
2: Uh, Warrior Suicide Prevention Foundation is um, www.wspfoundation.org and also www.22warriors.org. And uh, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, for me, it's bbq422, uh, F-O-R-22 on both Facebook and Instagram. I
0: just I just followed you on Instagram.
2: I feel honored.
1: You got one more follower.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks
1: a lot, Mark. Really appreciate it. Uh, Jake, you have anything you want to add? No,
0: this has been great. I, I love it. I'm going to go uh, stuff my hungry belly and um, maybe produce this podcast we're doing
2: Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it.